0: Hi, my name is Paul Grogan. Welcome to episode 13 of the all-new Gaming Rules podcast. This podcast is an audio version of the live Q&A that went out at the end of January 2022. That video is already on YouTube, but thanks to the financial support of my Patreon campaign, I'm able to turn these into audio podcasts. So a huge thank you to all of my supporters for making this possible. And if you like the content that I create, please consider supporting me at patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. And now on with the show. Good evening everybody, good afternoon, good morning wherever you are in the world. Thank you very much for joining me. Let me know as always with these live streams if you can hear me and you can see me okay. I'm going to apologize right now if there's any clattering and banging going on because both cats are in the room with me um, and they're going a bit crazy. Yeah, it's that time of the evening. So um, yeah, welcome to the January live Q&A sessions. I do these once a month. Uh, Most people in the chat right now, Uh, know know what these are, Uh, but if you don't know what these are, then thanks to the support of the Patreon campaign I'm able to do these live Q&A sessions once a month. So the format of these sessions is first of all, I'm going to be going through all of the questions that I've been asked in advance. Uh, I do post a thread on my BGG Guild. When did I post it this week? Probably Tuesday. So I'm going to be going through all the questions that I've been asked in advance. That's for the people who can't make it to the live show, just to give them the opportunity to ask me any questions. Uh, then we're going to be going to questions that uh, are being asked live in the chat. If you can't wait for the for the live questions, uh, it'll probably be about 30 minutes before we get to them. Uh, but all you need to do is put the word QUESTION in capitals and then put your question in the chat. Vicky will pick that up and put it into the document. Uh, and then we're going to go from there. Yeah, the background, I've picked it because, um, yeah, it's, it's winter. And that's exactly what it looks like outside the window. Not. Graham's lost his spanner. I don't know why you've lost your spanner, Graham. I've not done anything to remove your spanner. Uh, can you give Graham his spanner back? If you click on the three dots next to Graham's name and say, give Graham a spanner, I think that's what it's called, then Graham should have his spanner back. Yeah, I don't know why. Anyway, right. So, yeah, welcome to the show. And let's go through, first of all, all of the questions. Oh, minor eggs are gone as well. Ah, right, Okay. Do you want to give Chrissy her spanner it and everything? I did update things earlier on today um, because I needed to add in Streamlabs into the um, the manager's option, but it's obviously not worked properly. Um, yeah, so Graham's is back. How strange! How strange. Um, also, can you try typing exclamation mark Patreon? This is a new thing that Tom Heath did earlier on today, and I think I've managed to get it working. Right, I'll have a word with Tom then. <laughs> yeah, when when you do that, there's supposed to be a, a thing where it basically puts puts an automatic link in there. I couldn't get it working, I'll try again another time. So, uh, we've got my glass of water, which you can see here. I wondered what it was. We're going to be here for about an hour and a half today. Let's go through the questions. So the first one uh, is from Jimmy. He says, congratulations on hitting 800 supporters. Big thank you to all of my patron supporters for getting us to the goal of 800. Um, He said that I use Patreon as a means of raising support. Some other content creators use Kickstarter. What do I see as the advantages and disadvantages of Patreon? For me, Patreon, I feel um, I'm more comfortable with Patreon because it's a a monthly donation. Saying that, you can turn on annual subscriptions on Patreon, and I have been considering that at some point. Um, But I... I prefer the idea of a Patreon because it's then on a month-by-month basis, and I'm very much a believer in in pay-as-you-go, um, which works fine as a as a freelancer. Uh, you know, if I if I work, I get paid. If I don't work, I don't get paid. Um, and I quite like the idea that there's a there's the monthly contribution going on now. There's massive advantages to the Kickstarter because the admin overhead of doing a Patreon uh, and updating all of the stuff, adding people to the Slack channel, doing all of the admin, uh, that that is an overhead, updating the end credits and things like that. If you do a Kickstarter, you only have to do that once a year. The other advantage with a Kickstarter is that you can offer um, lots of promos or or everything else. um, And then you can do it. Now, on Gaming Rules, I do have the... Promo tile for Under Skies, and I've got some other ones as well. But actually, finding a way of getting them to people—that's—that's proved tricky. So yeah, I've gone with Patreon. It, it just fits more comfortably with me, um, and I know a lot of other uh, channels that used to do yearly subscriptions on, on Kickstarter—they—they've uh, changed and they've moved to Patreon as well. So yeah, so that's—that's—that's that's, that's where I am. Uh, Deborah says, "Thanks for doing a Polis playthrough." Uh, It's a current enthusiasm alongside Pax Premier, which I'm hoping I might also do. Pax Premier 2nd Edition is a game I've been wanting to play for a very long time, just never got the opportunity. Uh, Deborah wonders if I'm going to be playing Red Flag over Paris. I've not heard of that. I will go and look it up later on, but no, I've not heard of that one. Yeah, I did a Polis playthrough uh, last week, a couple of weeks ago. Definitely want to play it again. Really, really solid game. And I remember when I did the unboxing for it, lots of people came on the unboxing and said, this game needs more coverage because it's really good. Uh, and yeah, was really good. Really very much enjoyed it. Um, James has asked got a question. If I had to wear a game box lid as a hat, which one would it be? Uh, for me, it would probably be something like Gloomhaven because it would be hilarious. Because it, it would be a hat. You'd have to cut holes in it to see. Um, but yeah, either something excessively large so that it like covers everything or some silly little um, you know box from like uh, maybe one of Jordan Draper's games just just get a box from that put it on your head because that's they're normally really tiny. Uh, Monica has asked can I remember the first game that I truly soloed was it a good experience or was it to kill some time so I can actually I've got um, obviously a lot of people will have childhood memories and I have one image stuck in my mind, one of the few images that I have from my childhood. And I don't know how old I was, probably five, six, something like that. I don't know. But I remember being at home on my own playing Mousetrap. So if you count that, that is my earliest memory of me playing a game together. Because when I was a kid, um, I was an only child. I did like playing with playing board games, um, but didn't generally have anybody to play against. And this was... Before the internet, obviously. Um, so I remember getting out some of these old classic family style games uh, and actually trying and playing through them myself. In terms of modern board gaming, uh, as a lot of people will know on the channel, I've, I have I do quite a lot of solo plays now. Um, but I didn't used to. And I think prior to me getting into solo gaming, which has been about two and a half, three years, I think now, um, I do remember playing Mage Knight solo. When it first came out, I remember playing Mage Knight solo, and that might actually be my first experience of a solo game, because back then I didn't really do any solo gaming. Um, Right, Mick has got a question. Uh, Mick says, congratulations on reaching 800 supporters. Thank you very much, Mick. Um, But Mick has got observations about a previous comment that I made about um, CCGs, deck construction games, and all of that lot. Now, Mick has written a lot, but basically what I talked about previously is... Any game where you are required to construct your deck before the game, so pretty much, you know, any CCG or, or LCG or anything like that. So we're talking games like Magic: The Gathering. Uh, we're also talking games like Marvel Champions, Arkham Horror card game, and, and things like that. Um, and basically, I don't have the ability to build my own decks. I'm absolutely awful at it. And if I did build, if I did build my own deck, it would be worse than like the pre-constructed decks. That you get with the game which are generally regarded as these are not very good decks. I'm just absolutely awful at it so what I do is I go on the internet and get other people's decks Um, and Mick wants to know um, how this affects my approach or enjoyment as the game because for Mick like a lot of other people the deck construction is actually a big part of the game and it's really enjoyable and I get that and I've known many many people who love building decks and if you can do it, and you enjoy it, and you're good at it, then it's great. Because you've constructed that deck, you've chosen what cards to put in, you've tailored it to your style, and then when it works, when the combos come off in the game, then then that's brilliant. I can't do that. Um, so for me, I'm not missing out on that part of the enjoyment, because that part of the enjoyment would never exist for me. Um, but do I do I miss out on the game at all? Do I, does it affect my enjoyment of the game? No, not at all. Um, I'm there to play the game and if that is with a deck which somebody has built for me then, or it's a deck that I've built myself, that doesn't really affect my enjoyment of playing the game Uh, do I tweak the card listings now and again Um, if 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 I've played it a few times and there's a couple of cards which either I don't quite know how they're supposed to work or they're a bit complicated or whatever I might take them out and just put some slightly easy ones in um And how do I figure out how to play the decks when you choose one? So, yeah, one of the things, one of the disadvantages with getting any kind of deck from the internet is that deck has been built by somebody to work in a particular way. And if you just download the card list without reading the guide of how to play it, then you're there basically trying to work it out yourself. Um, And I I don't mind that part of it. Um, Normally, decks that you get off off various forums come with a few notes. So, yeah. and related to this, makes follow-up question is, regarding Arkham Horror, how do I think about upgrading my deck and spending XP? What I do is I go onto the Slack channel, and I say I've got 4 XP to spend, somebody tell me what to put in the deck. Um, and people give me various ideas. To be fair, the Arkham DB website is fantastic. So I've been using that a lot more recently, because um, you can go into it, and you can basically... It, you know, you can say, I've got 4 XP to spend, and it filters out all of the cards that you're allowed to use. Because otherwise, I've got to look through my entire collection. Oh, I'm allowed to use survivor cards level 0 to 5 and any relics. Well, how do I find which relics have I got? I've got literally got to look through a thousand cards to look for them. No, Arkham DB does all of that for you and tells you what cards you can put in your deck. So I found that a very useful tool. Um, on a related note, Mick wants to know, have I played the Lord of the Rings LCG at all? So yes, I have. A copy of the original LCG. Me and Vicky played it when it first came out which was, I don't know, was it eight years ago now or something like that? Anyway, uh, and it's it's about to be uh, relaunched. There's a new revised core set coming out and I've been told that there's a copy on the way to me that should be here this week. I'm super excited about it because I'm really really big Lord of the Rings fan. It's a cooperative game, me and Vicky are going to be playing it together. However, having played a lot of marvel champions and love it having played a lot of arkham horror and love it whilst i enjoy the theme of lord of the rings i think mechanically as a games design it's a little bit in the past and i was really disappointed when the game had the basically the rule where you draw one card on your turn for me personally any kind of card game where it is draw one card at the start of your turn is 20 years out of date and that is that is the biggest disappointment in the game for me so the revised corsets coming out I am just going to have to accept that. I really, really don't like it. I want I want more opportunities to draw cards. And I know you can put certain cards into your deck, but I don't want to be forced into playing a particular you know, faction and having to be forced to be putting cards into my deck just to draw extra cards. So yeah, I'm a big believer that any card game where the rule is you draw one card per turn is 20 years out of date. But I'm, I'm looking forward to playing it again. I just have to, I just have to get over that bit. There's a scrape, scraping being picked up on the mic. It could be this. This is one of the new mics, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean I've got the window open, so it, it could be that. <laughs> but I've moved it a little bit. Let me know if that's any better. It's really, it's really difficult. There shouldn't be, there shouldn't be any scraping on it. If I put it there, there's, there's nothing for it to scrape against. But anyway, I'll put it there, and we'll, we'll see if that's any better. It just looks silly. Um, mix up a follow-up question to the ones about CCGs, and this is about thoughts on El Grande and or the King and Intrigue variant. El is a fantastic game. Absolutely classic area control game. Still worth playing now. Solid game. Stood the test of time. I haven't played with the King and Intrigue variant. So maybe I need to. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's a fantastic game. Right, Monica is asking... Do I sometimes seek out themes which I generally despise or I want to keep away from due to the mechanism in it or the game components? Uh, No. Um, If there is a game out there with a theme which I don't like, then... I mean, there's not many themes that I don't like, but if it had good mechanisms or good components, it it wouldn't make me interested in the game. And that's because... We are living in a world now where we have way too many board games than there is time to play them all. And I can only play, you know, and I do this full-time, I can only play probably 10% of the games that I want to play. So therefore, we all have the advantage that we can we can pick and choose. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of one where... Um, I mean, taking the reverse, okay? Dead of Winter... Is a theme which I don't have a problem with. You know, quite quite. I'm not a big fan of the, the the zombie genre or anything like that, but I have no problem with the theme of Dead of Winter. But the mechanisms of it make me not want to play the game. So that that's kind of the other way around. Um, right. William says after seeing me go through some fighting fantasy books, he's curious if I've ever played or read the Lone Wolf book series. Yeah. So it's become a tradition now that twice a year, usually once around the summer. Uh, and once between Christmas and New Year I do a playthrough series where I pick one of my old choose your own adventure fighting fantasy books and I do a series of interactive playthroughs. I did one in December for those of you that are interested if you want to go back and look on the channel. uh, I did Caverns of the Snow Witch and we did it over four or five days I think. Um, And William is asking if I've ever played or read through the Lone Wolf book series. So um, yes I used to have the first few books in the series a long time ago when they first came out. Uh, and in fact I actually did a Patreon only stream at some point about three or four weeks ago where I I started playing through Lone Wolf book one um, because I hadn't played it for so long and it is so well respected as one of the best series of books Um, I died after about an hour, (laughs) it was just... um, the, the book is still a little bit old school in that if you make the wrong choice or do the wrong thing then it's just a dead end and you die um, I think that's the way that the games are designed, that you then just replay them and choose different choices the next time. But yeah, I I do want to play more of them. And to be honest, whilst I enjoy playing the fighting fantasy books, uh, I've been tempted to go and do something a little bit different. And the Lone Wolf books might be those, but I don't have the physical books uh, anymore. Um, so yeah. Right, question from Mark. Congratulations on reaching... 800 patron supporters. Uh, Mark has dipped his big toe into two-player games. It says, a gaming buddy and him are planning a one-day mini-session of just two-player games, and what's my opinion on them? I absolutely love two-player games. I have a lot of two-player games in my collection, and it can be quite hard to actually get them to the table, because most of the time I will advertise to my local games group uh, and local friends, and I'll say, I'm having a games night or a games day. Who wants to come round? And there's normally, on a Friday night for example, there's normally three or four people. Which means the two-player games don't get done. In fact, the last two-player game we covered on the channel was Polis, that I mentioned earlier on. Which ended up being three of us, so we played two versus one. um, Because we'd we'd planned it, and then Rob said, oh I can come round as well. And I didn't want to say no, uh, because Rob's a big fan of the game. So basically we ended up playing a two-player game, but with three of us. So yeah, I'm a big fan of two-player games and I, I, they don't get covered on the channel as much as I'd like to. However, um, with the change in my career this year, I'm hoping to have more time for playthroughs during the day and I've got access to quite a few local people um, who would be happy to come round and play some games. So yeah, I expect to see more two-player games on the channel. The ones that um, Mark is mentioning are 13 Days, which I've not played but heard really good things about. Fort Sumter, which again I've heard good things about. Red Flags Over Paris, oh that was mentioned earlier on, so I've not done that one. Watergate is brilliant, 1960 I think he's fantastic, I don't own 1960 but I have played it. Seven Wonders Duel I think he's okay, I think it's overrated, I don't think Seven Wonders Duel deserves to be as high on BGG as it is. Uh, Twilight Struggle and Imperial Struggle. Play Twilight Struggle and, and like it. But there's a lot of other two-player games that I really like as well. Uh, Polis for example. Uh, class wants to know, Oh, apparently you can play polis on yukata, says Steve. I did not know that. Right. Thank you very much for that. Um, I will be starting a game of that about five minutes after this Q and A finishes. Peter, if you're watching, let's get on. Uh, let's get on Yucata and start a game of it, uh, assuming we can play it um, asynchronously. Anyway, class asks, do YouTube stats, number of views, number of comments, influence what I do on the channel? Do I try to copy successes and avoid videos that didn't do so well? So this is similar to a question I think I got asked last month, which is... If I had a game that I wanted to cover on the channel, but I knew it wasn't a popular game and I knew it wasn't going to get many views, would I still cover it? And the answer is yes, because if it's a game I want to cover on the channel, then I want to cover it on the channel. I very rarely, if at all, go out and seek, oh I need to do this game because it's popular right now and I'll, I'll get a load of views. No. The reason I've been covering Ark Nova a lot recently is that I think Ark Nova is a fantastic game and I love playing it. I'm not deliberately covering games because I know they're the hotness and I know they will get the views. I know some other channels do that. That's not what I do. But the question is, do the number of views on a video influence what I do on the channel? Absolutely, to some extent. So when Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion came out, I actually started a series of time-lapse videos where me and Vicky played the game here but we recorded it with the overhead camera and then what I did is I sped the footage up and the entire playthrough was in five minutes and I provided commentary over the top. I thought it was a fun idea, I thought it would be good and I did two of them and they had a few hundred views and no comments at which point I stopped doing them. Um, so yeah if I, if I start doing some videos, and they're just not getting the views or the engagement and stuff like that. Then that that says a message to me that there's there's very little point to me spending my time doing on them when I can do other things, and they get more views. Now that's not to say that I'm doing it to get the views, because as many of you will know, every single penny of my ad revenue goes to charity. So if a video gets a thousand views or if a video gets 10,000 views, that actually makes no difference financially to me uh, because all the money goes to charity. But you kind of want to do stuff that people are interested in. Um, yeah. And obviously I do ask my Patreon supporters for what they want to see on the channel and their influence, since they're the ones that are effectively making the channel possible, um, I do take their thoughts into account of what they want to see on the channel. Let's have a quick pause just for a minute uh, and just tell you about Uh, the contest that I'm running. So every month I do a giveaway contest and I've decided to do this now with Vicky downstairs. Vicky's just gone downstairs to to do something for cooking dinner. Um, But every month as part of these live Q&A's I do a contest. Um, GamesLaw, the UK's largest uh, online games retailer, thank you very much Paul from GamesLaw, he's given me £25 worth of game vouchers to give away to one person uh, who is watching this video. Now you don't have to be watching this live to enter the contest, as long as you are watching this video, at some point between now and the next live Q and A, which will be in four weeks' time, you can enter the contest. Um, so I keep the contest open for an entire month, the whole, the whole of yeah that four week period basically. When Vicky gets back, she's going to put a link to the contest. Um... <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because Vicky's she's lost a chair. Loki has just stolen Vicky's chair. You've lost your chair. <laughs> Could you put a link to the, uh, to the contest in the, um, in the thing once, once you get your chair back? So Vicky's going to post a link to the contest. All you need to do is click on that link. Uh, the link will be also in the show notes of the video, and if you listen to this as a podcast, uh, hopefully Chris is going to be able to put that link in the description. All you need to do is click on the link, Uh, That will take you to a form, it will ask you for some details, and it will ask you for your secret word. And the secret word today is perseverance, because I've been working on the perseverance, how to play video this week. Um, So yeah, the secret word is perseverance. Um, Yeah, the link is already there, excellent. We only had 87 people enter last month, so please feel free to enter. The more entries we get, the less chance you have of winning. Um, But yeah, feel free to enter. Right, so next. Andrew says, "What game did I have the most fun streaming last year? Not necessarily the best game, but the one that I had the most fun." So what I did, as Andrew, I went through my entire set of videos from last year, all of the live streams I did for 2021, and I went through and I went Ooh, right, okay. So uh, the Maracaibo campaign that was fun, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, all uh, a number of the two mini bones ones we did, they were they were a lot of fun. When we we did Puerto Rico as part of my Cult of the Old series, that was fun. The Gloomhaven Digitals were fun. Ark Nova's been a lot of fun. Uh, When I did the Freedom and Frieza Fast Forward games, Fortress and Fortune, they were fun. Imperial Steam was fun. Um, And I started looking through and I thought, there's too many to list here. So there's just a few of them. But to be honest, I feel quite privileged that a lot of the live streams I did were fun. It depends on what your definition of fun is, because as Andrew says, some of those games are really good games, but that's not what it's about. It's which ones did I have the most fun. And generally speaking, I have fun in most of the live playthroughs that I do. So, yeah. Right. Question next is from Georgios. Thank you very much, Georgios, for asking a question. He says, When deciding a strategy to win a game, do I choose a game mechanic based plan or a thematic based approach? E.g., do I role play the character? Absolutely. M- Mechanical. For me, um, you know, if I I can convert three apples into five victory points Then I will do it if that's the best thing for me to do. I'm not... I don't play these games to do thematically He doesn't like that. To do thematically what the character would do. I I play games to 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 win the game really Um, He also asked how do I experience gaming? Interact socially with others, yes Live another life? Not really. Um, you know, I don't play these games to pretend to be somebody else. Uh, an opportunity to win? No, that that doesn't factor uh, in my choice at all. Testing my mental abilities? Yeah, I think so. Um, like many people watching these videos, I actually quite like having to work hard mentally and think through something. You know, if, if we didn't like that, we wouldn't enjoy playing games. Um, get away from problems. Absolutely, and just fun. I don't, I don't. I wouldn't have said I would play games just for fun. I play games because of those other things. Good question. Uh, regarding gaming sessions, do I prefer quality, a good game played multiple times, or quantity, a variety of games irrespective of quality? Uh, that's a good question. So I will always put quality over quantity. You know, I would always play one good three hour game than three medium one hour games. But if you're saying, would I want to play? If you gave me a choice of, say, playing uh, the same game multiple times in one day, or play lots of other games if they weren't as good, it's a tricky one because I would always favour on the side of playing multiple different games in a day. If I had a games day on a day... I wouldn't play the same game more than once. Generally speaking. Now I did that on Sunday because I went around to a friend's house and we played Perseverance. But we played Perseverance episode 1 and then we played Perseverance episode 2. I can't see me ever wanting to say, oh we've played a game. Right, well let's just play it again straight away. Um, Even if we'd like to. So yeah, I I would favour on the the different games. Mm, Depends on the game. Right, okay. Question next is from Brian. And you know what's coming. Uh, This is about Tunnock's Tea Cakes. So Brian has has found out with his uh, webcams that he's got installed in our front room, and I think I told him, um, that we have now had some Tunnock's Tea Cakes, because Chrissy and Brett got us some uh, in a a basket for GridCon, uh, and we have eaten them. And he wants to know, how did we eat them? The options are, take a bite out of one side, lick out the mallow, retaining most of the chocolate on top, and then eat the rest of the tea cake. We didn't do that. Nibble the chocolate off the top, then eat the mallow, then eat the biscuity base. We didn't do that either. Smash the tea cake off your forehead while still in the wrapper and then eat it. Yes, this is really a thing. We didn't do that either. Or use a totally different and unapproved method of tea cake consumption. Yeah, I think we just ate them. <laughs> I think we just took a bite and then took another bite. I know that's um, unapproved, but that's what we did. His follow-up question is, what did we do with the red stripy wrapper after finishing the tea cake? Did we flatten it out completely removing all wrinkles from the foil. Now that's something that's quite nice to do isn't it? We didn't do that. Tightly roll the foil wrapper into a little ball and flick it around. I kind of did that with one of mine. Or or simply discard the wrapper like a complete philistine. (laughs) Uh, You can tell a lot about a person by their tonics, tea cake habits. Oh dear. I think we've just um, I think Brian's just unsubscribed from the channel. Yeah oh well sorry Brian. Um, Right Uh, Klaus is concerned about my health. Have I made any changes to my exercise routine? Not yet, Uh, yeah. (laughs) I won't go into all the details, but he said he suspects many folks in the hobby face similar issues. Um, Yeah, get some exercise, do something each day. Um, I I still don't. What I can say though, is that I'm now starting to see a slow, it's very gradual, uh, but a slow impact on the reduction of my workload. To the point where I am now able to take maybe a 15-20 minute break and like do things like tidy in the kitchen, put the bins out and things like that. Whereas I've spent the last five years working non-stop with no break, often skipping food, working in an evening and just letting life get out of control. So I'm, I'm slowly trying to get things back into a, a more manageable routine and I'm, uh, exercise is still on the list of things that I really need to do. Paul Snuggs is asking, do I have a favorite narrative-based game, and if so what makes it stand out? Yeah, so I've I've gone on record and I've actually I've said this before that Tainted Grail is probably my favorite narrative-based game. Now, what? Oh right, another question. Um, Now Tainted Grail, I'm not saying it's my favorite game, and the actual gameplay of Tainted Grail Does have a few problems. As far as I'm concerned. And it needs some tweaks. Um, But as far as the narrative goes. And as far as the overall story goes. I think it was fantastic. Now I do love me some Arkham Horror. Living card game. Uh, Arkham Horror the card game. I'm not a big fan of the other Arkham Horror games. uh, But the Arkham Horror the card game. The narrative in that is also fantastic. Uh, But Tainted Grail was something. There was something. In it that. Particularly you know, yeah, it it suited me. The kind of King Arthur, uh, King Arthur, Arthurian legend and lore and all this weird stuff. It's it's hard to explain. Um, But for anybody who has played the entire of the first campaign of Tainted Grail, if you've only played a bit of it, you haven't seen the whole thing yet. But yeah, that, that was probably it. Kenneth is asking, if I could choose one special ability, would I rather know the rules of every single board game ever made as of today or the rules of every single board game that will ever be be made from today onwards? If given a choice, I'd go with the second one. And the reason for that is I like teaching people how to play games. And it would be great to know the rules of every single game that's been released so far, but so many people are getting new games all of the time and, you know... Imagine what it would be like for every single new game that came out. I automatically knew exactly how to play and I could teach my friends how to play. Without reading rules or anything else. So yeah, I'd go with that one. Um, Phil's got a very good question, which I don't think I can answer. Which is, do I have a favourite game or games played with a standard deck of cards? And I don't know any games that I play with a standard deck of cards. Really. Oh no, it probably takes us hold them. Yeah, actually it's a very easy question. There you go, Texas Hold'em. Um, we used to play quite a bit of Texas Hold'em, um, just for fun really. Uh, not for any real amount of money, we paid for like a pound or something. Um, but no, Texas Hold'em I think is a fantastic game. Uh, I haven't played it in a long time, but yeah, yeah, really really do like that. Right, Neil is going to allow me to wax lyrical about my favourite game of all time. Yes! So Neil has just started watching a tutorial and playthrough video that I did for Mage Knight last year. and He said it seems very fiddly and complex. But I've played the game a ton. Oh, sorry. He says I can see that if you've played the game a ton and you understand how everything works Then the card play aspect would be pretty fun. So would I agree that it's fiddly and complex? Or does it not feel like it once you're experienced? So uh, Mage Knight does have its fans, but Mage Knight also has the people who hate it and the people who, who don't like Mage Knight do say it is too fiddly and too complex. So for me to say that it isn't fiddly and complex I think that's. I think that's unfair. I would say that yes, it is a bit fiddly, and yes, it is a bit complex. Is that any kind of a problem for me in any way at all? No, absolutely not. Um, but I, I think let's be honest. There, there's quite a lot of complexity to the game. Um, does it? Does that complexity disappear once you're experienced enough? Yes, that's the same with a lot of games. Uh, the first time I played Perseverance, for example. I thought, wow this is a super heavy game. There's so much going on and I'm really compli- really confused. I, uh, I'm not looking forward to filming this video. I spent last week writing the script, I then spent the weekend playing it uh, and as of today I finished principal photography for episode one. And now as far as I'm concerned, Perseverance is a medium weight game, right? Because I have spent so much of my time in the last couple of weeks learning it, living and breathing it in order to be able to make the video, that it feels less complex than it was when I first played it. So I think that's true of, uh, of a lot of games. Um, the second question that Neil has got is, uh, this is about Mage Knight still, did I love it straight away before I fully understood how it worked? Yes, uh, and if so why? Um, was it because I could see the vision of what the game could give you? Yes, yeah. so my first experience of Mage Knight was uh, Vladishevatl sending me uh, some files over email, which was basically a complete uh, print and play version of the game, including like a, a forty-eight page Word document of the rules as he'd written them. That is how I got the game. So I was involved in the Mage Knight as a game before it actually went to print for the first time, uh, and I remember printing out all of the stuff and I remember reading the rules and playing it. And the reason what I mean straight away when I started reading the rules, I was like this sounds amazing because it was a fantasy adventure, fighting monsters, traveling etc etc all of those things in a game but with deterministic combat and very much of a, of a puzzle style element of how are you going to be able to do this and the more and more i read the rules i was just like whoa this is this is going to be my favorite game and it was um, so yeah, did I did I love it despite the complexity or because of the complexity? So no, I didn't love it because it was complex. I loved it despite the complexity. And to be honest, there's not much that I would take out of Mage Knight. I, I, there's probably a couple of little complicated bits that you could take out. But you I wouldn't want to take out too much. Because then you're losing what makes it special. Um, Neil says he only plays solo and it's so tempting because it's so highly rated in the solo community. Uh, but it's a bit intimidating. Well, we're here to help. Uh, If we can help at all, uh, I mean my Patreon supporters on the Slight channel, we have a Mage Knight channel on there, uh, where there's a lot of people playing it solo and talking about it on there, so yeah. Right, that is the end of all of the questions that were asked in advance on the BGG Guild. So, we'll just take a short pause. Vicky's going to post a link to the Guild in the chat now. If you are not a member of the Board Game Geek Guild, uh, please sign up guild number 2258. Make sure you click that subscribe button. I don't, I don't post very much on there so you're not going to get bombarded with notifications. Um, but if you are on the guild and you wanted to post something on the guild, like for example do you have a favorite game or games played with only a standard deck of cards? That's a good question to put on the guild. Let's get that on there and there'll be some discussions like that. I also use it to post about things I'm doing, not every single video, um, but you know when I post about these, these Q&As. Um, big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters. As I've mentioned a couple of times, we have reached the target of 800. That's not to say that we're going to slow down. Um, but yeah, thank you very much to all of my Patreon supporters for making this possible. If you are watching this video and you are not one of my Patreon supporters, then I do rely on the financial support of that to keep the channel going. Uh, so if you are able to, patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. Lots of benefits um, Yeah, to Patreon supporters. Lots of behind the scenes videos. Uh, including one tonight. We're going to be playing some games of code names and just one tonight. Uh, and that's going to, it's not going to go out public on the channel, uh, but it will be live streamed to Patreon supporters, uh, some of which are going to join me for the game. Right, so now we're going to go to the live questions. So these are all of the questions that people have been asking live. We're going to do this for about another uh, 30 minutes, 40 minutes or so, and then we'll start wrapping things up. We want to be done by about seven o'clock so that we've got time to have dinner. Uh, And then I'm doing the live stream tonight at eight o'clock. Right, so first question is from Compi. How successful has it been on the transition from getting away from rule book writing? Uh, Is there one thing that you have planned for the future that you're really excited about? So, um, it's it's actually quite interesting because this week I am still working on Batman Gotham City Chronicles, Frostpunk and ISS Vanguard. So it's now been, what, four or five weeks? since I have stepped away from rulebook writing and I am still working on those three rulebooks. Now, at the moment all three of them are in the background. I'm doing maybe anywhere between 15 and 45 minutes a day on each of them, uh, because they're not finished and they still need a bit of work doing on them. But what's been really good is that since I made the decision to step away from rulebook writing, and I made that decision in October, yeah when I got back from Essen pretty much, um, if i hadn't have made that decision i might have been taking i might have been taking on some more work and that is where everything's been going wrong for the last 5 years because i would have taken on a piece of rulebook work or maybe even two for this month and i'd be doing that and i'd be doing the perseverance video but i'd still have the three other rulebooks to do as well and that's that's where it's been a problem for me it's not just you know, working on a rulebook and working on a video, is the fact that I'm working on two rulebooks, whilst also still trying to wrap up four previous ones. Um, so I'm still not fully in the retired stage, because those three games that I've mentioned aren't finished yet. Frostpunk is so close to being done. Uh, Batman is pretty much done, but we are now working on some extra bits and some player aids, which need a bit of work, uh, and Ice Vanguard has still got still got a bit to do on it. That'll probably be another few weeks. Um, but once they're all done, I don't have any more. So as I mentioned earlier on I've actually started seeing the benefits. Certainly in the last couple of days I've actually felt that I've been able to you know take a lunch break um, and maybe have 10 minutes off just to go downstairs and tidy up for a bit and not work till 9 o'clock at night. So that's that's actually been really good. Is there one thing that I have planned for the future that I'm really excited about? There isn't one thing, there's about 20 things. There's so many things that I'm looking forward to about the future. Um, but I'm I'm trying not to get myself carried away with it because I've still got these these rulebooks going on in the background, uh, and until they've gone, for example, ISS Vanguard, I know at some point in the next few days the latest version of the rulebook for ISS Vanguard is going to come back to me, and then I probably have at least half a day to a day's work to do on it. But I don't know when it's going to arrive back with me, so I can't plan in, I can't you know I'm I'm planning all of my time to do all of my other stuff. But I have to keep in mind that at some point this is going to come back and it's going to need doing. And I, and I can't wait for the days where that's not going to happen and I can actually plan things and any free time is actually free time. But yeah, I've got loads of things in my mind that I want to do this year. I'm just trying to temper them for now until the other work has been wrapped up. Uh, Edward is asking, any changes to my favourite solo games with the plays of Ark Nova? Um, it's a good question, but I don't actually have a list of my favourite solo games. Um, people have asked me what are my top five solo games, and I, I don't actually have that. Um, I am planning to do a top ten solo games video, but it will be games voted on by patron supporters. But I can tell you now that Ark Nova is up there. And the reason for that is um, Ark Nova, for me, playing the solo game of it, I just enjoy playing the solo game of it, because the multiplayer game of Ark is pretty much multiplayer solitaire. So therefore playing the solo game gives me 90% of the same experience that playing multiplayer does. Uh, For those people interested, uh, there is a channel called One Stop Co-op Shop. Um, it's a few people on there. Peter, Mike. and uh, a couple of other people as well, and they do all sorts of videos. And they focus on solo games and cooperative games. I'm going to be a guest on the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast soon. We're recording it tomorrow. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be going out, but we're going to be talking about solo games and we're going to be talking about Ark Nova. So yeah, um, I will post uh, a link to my Patreon supporters when that channel when that episode goes out. But I'm actually doing yeah this this podcast recording tomorrow uh, with Peter talking about solo games and Ark Nova. Steve is asking me what is the best legacy game? Now I've not played that many legacy games. Um, Gloomhaven, if you class Gloomhaven as a legacy game, I'm I'm not sure Gloomhaven is a legacy. I mean technically it is a legacy game because you are putting stickers on the board, but it's sort of resettable and you can play it again. Uh, Pandemic is a is a non car going past, Um, Pandemic is a non-resettable legacy game, Um, but for me, I think the one that I've enjoyed the most is probably Aeon's End Legacy. Um, I love Aeon's End, I think Aeon's End is a fantastic game, and I think Aeon's End Legacy is brilliant, because what it does is it actually teaches you gradually how to play Aeon's End. Uh, The story is good, the way the scenarios work are good, the way that you improve your character was good, so yeah, Aeon's End Legacy Definitely, definitely one of my favourites. We are playing through Charterstone at the moment and really enjoying that as well. Um, but yeah, Aeon's End Legacy, probably my favourite legacy game. Until somebody in the chat reminds me of another legacy game that is better that I've forgotten all about. Um, Edward's asking for us uh, any new Epic Lego builds. No, no new, ep- no new Epic Lego builds. Two reasons. One, uh, we don't have the space. For, for for something else, um, but also we kind of want to savor, well I do anyway, the Millennium Falcon. If we were to get another massive one again now then it's like well that's sort of making that one a bit less special and I know we've had it for well a year and a month but it's only been finished for six months so uh, no not, not at the moment. Uh, Vicky is asking, I thought Vicky wasn't overly into games has she gotten more into them over time? No hasn't got more into them over time. Um, Still just tolerates them, I think is the right word. And I think one of the main reasons, like Vicky's playing Charterstone with us at the moment, but there is no way that Vicky would agree to play Charterstone if it wasn't for the fact that we combine it with a social meeting with two friends of ours. um, And we've been meeting up sort of every few weeks for the last few years. Started out being Gloomhaven, uh, but then as we stopped playing Gloomhaven, we wanted to start again after Covid restrictions eased, and we decided on Charterstone. So that's what we're doing is we're meeting up every two or three weekends, we're playing a couple of games of Charterstone, but we combine it with a social chat. Uh, you know, One one week they'll come here and Vicky will cook, which she loves doing, uh, and the next time we'll go there and they'll cook. So it's, it's more of a social event. There's the Sherlock Holmes consulting detective games that we'll play together, there's the exit games and the unlock games that we play together, um, and we did play Tainted Grail together, but other than that nothing else. Uh, Peter is asking, place the game board sideways on the table to all players or upside down for half of them, any preference? Oh, that's another good question for the guild. So, do you place the game board sideways on the table so that every player it's sideways, or do you place it so that it's upside down for some of them and right way up? For me, it depends on the game board. I mean, Lost Ruins of Arnak, because it's a a rectangular board, uh, I like to have that sideways. But I mean I don't mind reading upside down. When we played Perseverance, both on the video that I streamed and at the weekend, I played with the board upside down for me and that was fine. But that, that that's a good question on the guild. So if you're on the guild Peter, pop on there, post that question on the chat, uh, on, on the forums. that That's a good one. Or should all game boards be circular to the benefit of nobody? <laughs> yes. Uh, ben Philly is asking, what's your best winter type snack? We don't really have snacks. In a way... I'm trying to think... I mean we're still going through the basket of goodies that Chrissy and Brett bought for us, we're almost finished, but there's one piece of shortbread left and I think I'm going to fight you for that later on... or is, is that yours or is that mine? how can there be an odd number of shortbreads left? did you sneak one? okay so my piece of shortbread... <laughs> I might have that later on tonight... yeah I mean I'm tempted to say shortbread, but shortbread's good all year round. So no, I don't. I don't think I have a. Uh, but I'm not really a snack person. Uh, Russ is here. Hi, Russ from Chits and Giggles. Uh, have I ever played RPGs? And if so, how much do I enjoy them? So, Russ, I, I, you obviously didn't know this about me. Um, I spent 25 years of my life playing Dungeons and Dragons, um, and it was pretty much the main hobby that I had. So when I first started playing Dungeons and Dragons in about '83. And it was my main hobby. I dabbled a tiny bit with board games. Um, and then I got seriously into, uh, seriously into Magic the Gathering in, like, 97. Uh, but in all of that time, I, I was I was playing d and And various other role-playing games. Uh, I played a lot of um, Rollmaster, Merp. Uh, dabbled a little bit with some other things. You, you know, just one-off game of Shadowrun, one-off game of Call of Cthulhu, things like that. Um, but no, role-playing games were... The biggest part of my hobby. In fact when I lived in Hertfordshire. um, I was 50% board games. 50% RPG. Um, Because I I got seriously into board games. In 99. um, But then I stopped. Doing role playing games about 13 or so years ago. um, When I moved down here. And then board gaming became my primary hobby. So yeah I, I, I did. Play them a lot. And I did enjoy them a lot. But my preference is for board games. But. I, I want to go back and do some role-playing games. I just don't have the time commitment to put into running one myself, uh, you know, doing the adventures or anything else. Um, and I also, at the moment, I don't have the I don't have the uh, the time commitment to commit to a regular group, um, which is a shame because there's there's so many things about role-playing games that I like. I think I prefer board games though. Next up, Leanne, what's my favourite game with the smallest footprint? Bonus bonus if it's solo, as you're currently confined to a lap tray. Why are you confined to a lap tray, Leanne? Send us a message later and tell me me why you're confined to a lap tray. Um, Favourite game with the smallest footprint? Oh, I'm not sure I can think of one offhand. Um, I mean, I've got a few games with, with a tiny footprint... But I'm not sure I would say that they are... It's going to be tricky for me to think of my favourite one. Ping me a message on Slack later on. Or we can start a discussion on on the Slack channel. So yeah, let's start a discussion on the Slack channel. Uh, Favourite game with the smallest footprint. And I'm sure lots of people will think of some ideas. um, And then I'll chip in with mine once I remember them. Um, Vicky's got another question. As we're talking about eating food, how do I eat my Jaffa cakes? Uh, Am I a chocolate jelly cake person? I just shove it all in in one go. Yeah, I just... I, I don't lick the jelly off first and then eat the chocolate or anything else I just I just eat it. Uh, Russ has got another question would I accept a lifetime supply of jaffa cakes but you're only allowed to play one board game one time a week if the alternative was never having a jaffa cake again To be honest Russ I'd go with the board games as much as I love jaffa cakes um if the if the alternative if I, if I was only allowed to play one board game, one time a week, I would never agree to that, um, no matter what. So yeah, as much as I like Jaffa Cakes, I would, uh, <laughs> I would not go with that option. Uh, question from uh, Jill from Board Games Unwrapped. Would I rather be the back end of a donkey or the front end of a new year dragon? Well, I think dragons are cooler than donkeys, so I think the front end of a dragon... I mean that's not really a fair comparison. To be honest. The back end of a donkey, the back end of anything is bad. Um, so yeah I'll, I'll go with the new year dragon. Chuck has got a question, thank you Chuck, for joining in. Hardest question of all. What color game map for Perseverance? I went with the red one. It was really interesting the poll that I did both on Slack and on a Facebook group. Um, a lot of people did vote for red. I think red got the most votes but a lot of people like, oh no, blue by far, the others are awful. Uh, and some people were saying, oh no, green is by far the best, the others are awful. So it was really interesting to see, because uh, I, w- I was leaning towards the green, but then I looked at it and I was like, ah, oh, the green's a bit too bright based on that. And then I looked at the blue and I was like, oh, it's a bit too blue. So my preference was for the red, uh, but I know a lot of other people would have preferred to see a different colour. Because I use the red one a lot, but it's the red one. I, th- I then asked Mind Clash, uh, and I said, look... What, what do you think? And Mind Clash when we think the red one is best. So I was like, okay, that's good. What are my plans for Frosthaven, says Steve. Play the entire campaign and stream it all in the channel. Well, no, and this is why you don't see any um, Gloomhaven streams on the channel. And it's why I did the time-lapse video for Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion. It's because I will be playing Frosthaven. We've no plans on exactly when we're going to play it. But because me and Vicky played Jaws of the Lion together, it might be that we play Frosthaven together. And Vicky's uh, not comfortable with being on a stream, even just audio. So therefore, my Gloomhaven games will not be streamed on the channel, unfortunately. Um, That doesn't mean we can't try the time-lapse approach again. I might do that. I might do that again. The disadvantage with that is it means we've got to play up here in the studio. And Vicky much prefers playing downstairs on the dining room table rather than in the studio. Um, But yeah, not got any hard, firm plans for Frosthaven yet. Pete Norman is asking, are there any games that I have removed from my collection that I now regret? No. Yes. No. Uh, maybe. So, so Pete removed Battle Law 2nd Edition. Naughty Pete. Um, yeah, there's, there's... I mean, most of the time, if I remove a game from my collection... So I don't generally remove games from my collection. My collection grows and grows and grows... And it expands into other rooms and it expands into here and it expands into the attic and then it expands into the garage because I don't like getting rid of games. It's actually quite rare that I will get rid of a game and it's only because I think I'm never gonna play this game again and nobody I know ever really wants to play this game again. Um, And most of the games I've got rid of I've done so without a second thought um, because as I say I know they're not going to get played again, but there is one game that I did get rid of and I got rid of it because um, I wasn't that enamored with the gameplay and I thought the rulebook was awful and I thought the graphic design was awful and it for me I know that might just be uh, cosmetic and superfluous but for me if a rulebook is unclear and the graphic design makes the game hard to play then that is going to detract from the overall experience of playing the game. And that game was Tramways. And I knew that Tramways, a lot of people liked it and it was a popular game. So I put it into a charity raffle knowing that, uh, you know, so somebody would get it. And I'm not saying I regret getting rid of Tramways, but it is a game which I think I might. Go back to again at some point and play it again, especially with the new book with the solo mode and the challenges and everything else. Um, but no, I don't regret it, but it's the only one that I've gotten rid of that I thought, hmm, maybe. Um, right, next question from Vince. He loves the channel. Thank you very much, Vince. Uh, he knows that I'm close with the team at Watch Your Game. Do I have any thoughts on where they are with the Madeira Kickstarter? Uh, I can't really speak about that. I do have a personal relationship with the people at Watch Your Game. Uh, and as they've posted on their recent Kickstarter update, and I know a a lot of backers are very angry uh, and they're very frustrated, um, but there is some very serious uh, personal things going on at Watch Your Game. They will get the game done and they will get it produced and they will get it delivered. I have no question about that but as I say the things that are going on are of a very personal nature and I can't really discuss them. Um, But Trust me, if you are annoyed by their silence and their lack of progress on the Kickstarter campaign, if you knew what was going on, uh, you might have a little bit more sympathy for them. Uh, Miguel is asking, hi Miguel, uh, will I be teaching games in conventions? Will I still be teaching games at conventions? Absolutely. One of the most favourite things that I do uh, as part of my multifaceted job is demo games to people at conventions. Absolutely love doing it. However, um, I have cut down that a little bit at Essen, certainly for the last two Essen's that I've been to uh, I only did demoing for CGE in the morning. That's because if I demo all day every day, I actually miss out on a lot of the convention myself. So for me, doing a few hours in a morning, demoing a game, great. I get to enjoy demoing games to people. Uh, Patron supporters get to come along and get a demo of a game from me, that's great or anybody else, um, and then I have the afternoon to play games, or relax, or not relax, but you know, rush around like a crazy person. Um, but yeah, UK Games Expo, I'm not sure what I'm doing at UK Games Expo this year, because I'm not running the CGE booth uh, anymore for UK Games Expo. Um, I don't know if, you, if CGE are going to be at UK Games Expo, um, but because I love demoing games so much, what I will probably do is once i know which publishers are going to be at expo who do games that i enjoy playing i will very likely contact them and offer to do some demos Um, because i don't want to go to an event like uk games expo and just spend three days playing games with other people i mean that sounds great but i love demoing games so much so yeah i don't know exactly what i'm going to be doing at uk games expo this year but i'm pretty sure you will find me for a few hours each day At a booth doing some kind of demoing. yeah because i just enjoy it. Um, steve is asking he once saw me in motel one in essen wanted to come over and fanboy me but i was talking to isaac so you didn't interrupt. so did you want to fanboy me or did you want to fanboy isaac childress? (laughs) Um, but next time steve no matter who i'm sat with just come over um, because especially i mean people like me and isaac we're just like you really we're just people who like playing games um and yeah just just come over next time whether i'm with isaac or not uh, and say hello what are my convention plans this year so um gen con or Essen? so yeah my attendance at the u.s events has changed um i can't see me going to any u.s events for the foreseeable future certainly not this year um because i've stepped back from my role at cge and if it weren't for their support i wouldn't be able, there's no way that I can afford to pay to fly to Essen, stay in a hotel for a week, and take a week off work. I mean, that's literally thousands and pounds. Um, so yeah, the only time I will go to Essen, uh, sorry, the only time I will go to Gen Con or Origins or BGG Con uh, is if I'm there working for a publisher. Uh, if you're if you're watching this and you're a publisher and you want me to demo games for you, let me know. Um, but the other reason is the the travel. To America for me health wise uh, it wasn't good because I get all sorts of issues on planes and I suffer quite a lot from uh, sleep related issues and basically going to one of those US conventions probably takes a year off my life. I'm a complete and utter mess and it takes me a month to recover. Um, So it's not healthy for me to go to them. Um, Essen absolutely I will definitely be going to Essen. UK Games Expo I will definitely be going to UK Games Expo in some capacity. Um, I might be attending LyriaCon, I'm not 100% sure yet. Other than that, I'm hoping to attend ManaCon. ManaCon is a brilliant convention. Uh, I go to ManaCon every year, it's in July. It's held at Leicester University uh, and I I know we'll go there. And I'm also going to BayCon which is in Exeter and that's happening in April. So yeah, BayCon in April, UK Games Expo in May. Uh, I'll be going to ManaCon in July, Essen in October, and then I've got Gridcon in November. Uh, if Handicon starts up again, I'll be going to Handicon. But other than that, I think that's uh, I think that's it. Brett is asking, do I consider the exit games as legacy? No. Hmm. So they are play once games with destructible components. But for me, a legacy game needs to have some kind of uh, campaign and evolving gameplay. Um, that's what makes a legacy game for me, one way you play over a series of games and the world is changing over those games because you're putting stickers on and you're removing things and that everything else. So yeah I, I don't class exit games as legacy games. Uh, Tazzy wants to know how is the work going on ISS Vanguard? For me, uh, although I mentioned earlier on that the rulebook work for ISS Vanguard is dragging on and it's, it, it's stopping me you know, I'm loving it, right? I am absolutely loving it, and in fact, working on ISS Vanguard, mainly due to uh, Christopher, uh, the, the the lead designer, I think, uh, but also the other team of developers that are working on it. I've got such a great working relationship with them, and it's really, really good. And every time I do any work on ISS Vanguard, I question whether it was the right decision to step away from rule writing or not, because although it's been a lot of work and it has dragged on and it's gone on you know 2 months after it should have been finished from my point of view and it is now distracting me from getting on with all of my other stuff apart from all of that it's great and i can't wait for the game to be finished because i think it's special i think it's something i think it's very something very unique and i think it's the same team of writers that did tainted grail so as far as a story goes as far as a narrative goes i can't wait for the for the finished version i do have a little bit of knowledge about where the campaign goes and some things that are in it because I've been working on bits of it. Um, I'm not working on the actual... so if you imagine Tainted Grail you've got the rule book and then you've got the actual storybook. I'm not working on the storybook so I'm not working on the text for the campaign. I'm only working on the rules themselves Um, but yeah I think it's going to be special and I'm really really excited about it. So it is going on um, and one really nice thing and I'm, 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 I'm saying this now as a yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to say it, but um, the designers contacted me last week and they said, Paul, we've, we've been doing another whole round of playtests and we've got a particular one rule that we want to change because people are misinterpreting it and we, we felt that we could do this in a different way. They said, we've been, we've been talking about it, but because you've been so integral with the entire rulebook writing process, we'd like your input on what this rule should be, and that made me feel really good. So I'm not just the guy writing the rulebook, they're actually consulting with me on what one of the rules should be, Um, and they gave me three options, and the option that I chose is the option that they've decided to go with. Now I'm not saying they went with it just because I said, um, but yeah it's, it's really nice to be involved in that process, and there's other parts of ISS Vanguard as well. I'm not just the rulebook writer on it. I think I'm getting a development credit as well because I've helped. I mean, nowhere near as much as the people who've been working on it for three years, but I, I've done a bit and I've been part of that process. And there's parts of that game that I'm going to look at in future and go, I suggested that bit. You know, that that's me. That bit. That's, so yeah, it's uh, it's go, it's going on. Um, right. It's it's six thirty. So I think this is probably a good time. We've only got a few more questions left. So I think this is probably a good time to say. No more questions please. If you are watching this now and you have any more questions for me please save them till next month and just before we go on to the last lot of questions we're just going to mention the contest again. So uh, every month as part of these live Q&A's I do a contest and if you are watching this video whether you're watching it live now or whether you're watching it later or whether you're listening back to the podcast I am running a contest right now. All you need to do is click on the link which Vicky's going to put in the live chat. It's in the show notes of the video and it's going to be in the description of the podcast. All you need to do is click on the link, go on there, the secret word is perseverance, and if you are a patron supporter you will get two entries into the hat. If you're not a patron supporter you will get one entry into the hat. Uh, And then what I will do is I will do the draw just before the next live Q&A. So you've basically got about a month to enter the contest. I did the draw for December's live Q&A. Uh, I did that um, a couple of hours ago, and the winner was Matt Clementson. So thank you very much, Matt, for your uh, support. And yeah, 25 pounds worth of games vouchers from Games Law to you. Big thank you to Games Law for supporting the channel by giving me these 25 pound worth of vouchers every month. Um, yeah, uh, Games Law is the UK's largest online games retailer. Go buy games from there. Right, final lot of questions. Question in from Skip: When I teach a game, even in the most relaxed settings. Do I find my temperature rising? Not sure why I do with a laughing face. So, not all the time, Um, but a little bit because I've been teaching people how to play games now for 37 years, so I'm comfortable with it. I've been doing it a very very long time, it's second nature to me. I do it in some way shape or form every day of my life so I'm generally okay but if what you're saying is every time you teach a game your temperature rises although that doesn't happen to me when I teach a game what I will tell you is every single time I do a live stream even if it's even if I'm appearing to be the most relaxed and chatting and everything else every single time I've done any kind of live stream whatsoever including right now I'm burning up and I will go away from here, and my heartbeat has increased, and my temperature will go up, and that's just that's just how it is. So we all have things that we do in our lives, where we're a little bit nervous about them, and I and I think that's I think that's what it is. So yeah, my only advice is, once you've done the teach, maybe just go and step outside for five minutes and just have a few breaths. Maybe just for one minute or two minutes, just to do that, just to break the cycle. Uh, and then come back inside. But it sounds like you experience what I experience when I do these live streams. Right, Stefano, am I still doing a playthrough for Zhangnan Life of Gentry? Uh, what you need to do, Stefano, is have a look on my channel. If you go onto my YouTube channel right now, you will see that there is one scheduled for Friday. So yes, Friday, eight o'clock PM GMT, there will be a live playthrough of Zhangnan Life of Gentry uh, with me, Ben, and Arthur we're going to be learning it in the afternoon, we're going to be doing a practice game in the afternoon, and then we're going to be going live at eight o'clock. So it's on Kickstarter right now, it's the new game from Mo Ideas, um, and yeah going to be doing that. Uh, the final question from Donna: what country do I live in? Uh, I live in the UK, so yes I live in... Uh, for those people who, who want to know because um, one of my Patreon supporters this week actually said, oh I thought you were from Northampton. So um, yeah if you want to look it up on Google Maps, I live in a town called Cullumpton. C-U-L-L-O-M-P-T-O-N. It's in Devon uh, and it's in the UK. It's in the southwest of the UK. It's about 15 miles north of Exeter. So Exeter is my nearest city. Exeter is a, an old Roman city. Uh, Isca it was in Roman times. So Exeter's been there very, for a very long time. Um, but yeah, we live in, in a, a town. It's a town, isn't it? It's not a village. It's a town of Cullumpton. It's quite small. Uh, we, we live fairly near the town centre, so we've got access to everything we need. Um, you know, post office, butchers, hairdressers, all all walking distance. Uh, and the great thing about where we live particularly uh, is we can walk to the supermarket. So we're on the side of Columpton, which is the same side as the supermarkets. for Our walk to the supermarket is along a nice little... Uh, it's not a river is it? Well it is a river, but it's not really a river, it's like elite. It's like about 10 foot wide, something like that. So yeah, live in Cullumpton, in Devon, in the UK. Um, That's everything. So yeah, thank you very much to everybody for joining in for this this live Q&A for this month. Uh, Again, hello to everybody who is listening back to this as the podcast. And for those of you who don't know, all of my monthly video logs and all of my monthly uh, uh, live Q&As get converted into a podcast. So if you are watching this on YouTube and you think, oh, actually... I, you prefer to watch this as a podcast then what happens is a couple of days after the Q&A or the vlog has gone live um, it gets uploaded as a podcast. All you need to do is search for gaming rules new podcast because there, there was an old one that's gone now. Gaming rules new podcast and you'll find it on most uh, most podcast player type things. Um, other than that what else have I mentioned? Mentioned the contest? Mentioned the winners last time? Patreon! Um, yeah, as mentioned, we've reached uh, 800 patron supporters. So I do have something special planned for it, which I'm probably going to do in February. But to be honest, we've only just reached 800 patron supporters. And what happens is at the start of every month, that normally drops down by about 15 to 20. So although we are at 800 now, at some point next week, it's going to drop down to about 780. That is probably going to do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it. For a while just to make sure that we do manage to stay at 800 but my crazy idea is that I'm gonna do a series of live videos where I basically go through my entire collection uh, and face them off in a series of random one versus one pairings Um, and then once I've done that we go to round two and we do it again and then we go to round three and we do it again it's literally gonna take days to do but I thought it would be a fun idea and that's what I've said I would do when we get to 800 patreon supporters Um, I do have lots of other plans for future things that I want to do, but I don't want to get carried away with myself um, too much. Uh, Yeah, Give the video a like as well, Uh, give the video a thumbs up. And if if you are not watching this live, please leave me a comment. Just let me know, because those comments that you leave really do help the algorithms. Uh, That's one of the things where my channel does suffer, is it doesn't get picked up that much by the algorithms. Despite me having adverts turned on. Uh, despite me putting timestamps in and doing all of the things that I should do, tags and everything else, the algorithms don't seem to favor me. So yeah, if you can leave me a comment, if you've watched it and you've enjoyed it, uh, then that would be great. And if you are in a position to be able to support me uh, and help fund the channel and keep me going, um, then feel free to do so. Patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. One final thing, if you are a patron supporter of mine and you're on the Slack channel, then at 8 o'clock tonight we're going to be doing a couple of live streams where we're just going to be playing games like Code Names and just one for fun. Um, I will be live streaming it to people but it, it won't be a public live stream. It will be for patrons only um, and the link to that will be posted on the Slack channel at 8 o'clock. And if you want to join in um, we've got five of us at the moment I think. So there's room for a few more. If you did want to join in just let me know um, and we'll do that later on. But for now we're all done. We're going to disappear. Have some food. What is for dinner tonight? sausages, just just a plate of sausages I think, if the cats haven't eaten them. Take care everybody, thank you very much for watching, I'll see you next time.